Welcome to episode 75 of the CX podcast with uh, Richard Knight and and my good self, Ryan Huxtable. 75, Rich. My goodness me. 75 episodes. I wonder how um, many listeners have listened to all 75. That's uh, the question for today's podcast, I'm sure. It's over a thousand downloads now oh. we have got. In fact, I'm looking at the data as we speak on on the on the uh, the bit of software yeah over a thousand downloads internationally uh renowned i think we've got two people in america who listen to us so uh it's it's all good from that side of things but as you will see for those who are on youtube and are viewing us today they will see that we have a guest with us uh which is fantastic to have lee taylor from woodstock legal um and i'll i'll hand over to you shortly, Lee, to, to introduce yourself to everybody. So we have Lee today who's going to chat to us all things customer experience, client experience from the legal world, which is going to be superb. So again, thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, episode 75, here we go. So, Lee, over to you. Can you say hello to everybody and uh, introduce yourself yeah. to our listeners? Of course, yeah. Well, hello, everybody. It's um, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've... Um... I've, I've known Richard for, gosh, uh, uh, quite a few years, isn't it now, Richard, um, uh, in various guises. But, um, yeah, it's 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 been an eventful kind of uh, 20 or so years that I've been in legal marketing. And I've uh, I've seen a lot of things change and a lot of things happen, good and bad, over the years. And, um, yeah, I look forward to sharing some of my insights. Good God, Lee, you know Richard for 20 years because that deserves a huge medal. <laughs> It's a little bit harsh, Ryan. It's a little bit harsh. Um, is, uh, is, this is going to be the tone for this episode, is it? I do apologise, Lee. It's showing off, basically, when we get guests and interview uh, guests together. He starts to show off a little bit. Um, so, I know Lee hasn't answered the question, though, which is even funnier. Well, yeah. no, we've we've known each other for a few years now, and we we actually have promoted, and our listeners will love this, we, we, in, we introduced what we call a waffy. Uh, waffle, down yeah. in Bournemouth, yes, we have a waffy every now and again, which is a walking coffee. <laughs> so to make sure that we are well-being is being looked after, rather than just sitting on a Zoom or sitting in an office having a chat, we'd go out for a waffy, which was rather nice, wasn't it? Uh, down in Bournemouth, on by the yeah. beach overlooking the, the the coast, it was rather pleasant. I must admit, on a, on a nice sunny day, you could be anywhere. It really, it really is idyllic down on uh, on the south coast. So uh, yeah, we made the most of the fresh air while we can. So I think the first place to start with, you know, from from uh, our listeners' point of view, is to learn a little bit more about Woodstock Legal because um as we mentioned pre just before we started the recording here it's a it's a bit of a different view of the world that you've got than perhaps uh, a lot of uh, traditional uh, law firms that a lot of our listeners may be uh, used to or will actually be working in at the moment so yeah it'd be great yeah. to give you a little bit of understanding of how that operates thank you yeah well i mean woodstock itself has been going for about 10 years yeah actually this year 2024 is uh is we, we celebrate our 10 year 10 year anniversary um and it was kind of um kind of the brainchild of our ceo uh carly german who um fantastic career in law um working up through the ranks uh at um a, a more traditional law firm and then uh left to go on maternity leave and then obviously after the first child 
then was looking at right this this work-life balance with going back to a traditional legal job and then obviously being there for um her, her young son at the time um it, it there was just a jar there it just didn't fit and um the the, the whole kind of um work-life balance just didn't kind of seem to be able to be all in a, being a solicitor all in being a, a mom and just the hours and the flexibility just wasn't there as i say that was about 10 years ago um and fast forward kind of 10 years um carly essentially created woodstock legal services to to, to fit around um those people that need that flexibility in their lives and, and predominantly many of those are our parents as well um so we're, we're an alternative business structure um all of our uh well, many of our solicitors are consultants so self-employed um and work through the the woodstock model um but what we've got is a huge amount of flexibility in our model because um, the consultants can can take on what clients they want. They don't have any billing targets. They don't have any set hours that they have to work. It's just 100% flexible that works for those individual um, solicitors and their circumstances. And, and not just solicitors, professional support as well. Um, we've got many of our uh, professional uh, support teams as well that work on a flexible basis as well. So it's all geared around the individual um, and having that real and genuine work-life balance. Um, and that's something that we're seeing more and more people favouring. And um, I mean, in the eight months that I've been with Woodstock, um, we've we've already taken on about 12 to 15 extra people. Uh, we're up to a team of about 53 now, uh, with more waiting in the wings. So there's a, there's a real kind of migration we're seeing away from that traditional law firm model uh, which is a little bit more rigid um, in, in some instances um, and, and looking to to kind of take that leap into become, looking at a consultancy model. And, and we're seeing the benefit of that, as are a number of different law firms around the region. Lee, I'm curious, in terms of that flexibility that you talk about from perhaps a traditional law firm, um, and as you know, we work with, with hundreds of, of traditional firms um, across the UK yeah um what how do you think that flexibility provides a better client experience uh well in the first instance and and again I, I can only speak from kind of personal experience and, and what I'm hearing from uh, the consultants that I I work with is that because the the well, I mentioned it earlier about that flexibility of choice of the number of clients that they take on. None of our consultants have got 150 caseloads at any one time. Um, they can actually pick and choose uh, which clients they take on. They can pick and choose the hours that they work. Um, and this all comes through uh, just a, a relentless focus on communication with the clients. The, the clients know when the consultants is working. They set those expectations right from the very start. Um, but actually what we're finding is that that flexibility is, is to, the, to the client's advantage as well in, in many cases, because no longer are they tied to that nine to five um, 
kind of working hours. And we've got many of our consultants that pop out to see their clients to get some paperwork signed on a Saturday afternoon whilst they're on the way shopping or something like that. So, so there's a real flexibility there for, for the advantage of the consultants. And, and actually what we're finding is uh, a lot of our clients as well, because in many firms, as soon as one o'clock hits, right, everybody's out to lunch. So and, and from a client's perspective, that that's when they've got the free time to be able to do some of that legal uh, paperwork, for example. So there's a to a certain degree, there's a there's a bit of a disconnect there. But actually, from from Woodstock's point of view, we find that that flexibility is is probably our biggest draw. That people are kind of almost from a traditional law firm model being um, guided or siloed into a a, a proposed semi flexible. Uh, uh, working role, which really isn't truly flexible. And, and I think that is what newer kind of legal consultancy models are actually offering is that real genuine flexibility where at the end of the day, the consultancy is, is in, in real, in, in the driving seat of their, uh, the, the way that they want to work and, and providing a good service for their clients. But ultimately, you've got a flexible lawyer, you've got a happy lawyer, which in my experience always provides a better quality of service anyway. So it's really interesting to hear about that sort of flexibility piece, clearly critical thing, particularly out of COVID, lots of organisations going, yeah, you can go and do this and then say, well, actually, no, we want you back in the office. Mm. So from that side of things, it, um, there may well be some people thinking, well, doesn't that throw up issues around several other things, for, for instance, around that consistency piece? So as a market a marketer, I'm sure you know you've you got this you've got a brand and you want to make sure that there's lots of things that are occurring in the right way and there is processes behind it as well as the behaviors piece. Yeah. Do, does that impact a consistency that then your clients or experience your clients have? I, I think uh, we, we have some really good processes within uh, Woodstock and and I think when we when we talk with people that want to join on board, one of the biggest things that we do stress is that consistency piece and that 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 quality of service piece. Um, but actually, to a certain degree, we're almost pushing at an open door with that because, as I say, these these people have worked in. Um, in legal environments, in, in some cases for, for, for many years and in some cases decades. So they've already got a really good reputation. They've already got a good level of client expectation and client service anyway. Um, we tend not to take people on earlier in their career. Just It's not through choice. It's through just the natural kind of people that are, are, are looking to take that consultancy route. Um, so people do have a really good track record of providing high end quality service. So when we start to talk to them about the insistence of uh, making sure you return calls and emails and doing it in a timely manner and making sure that you you say what you're, you, you said that you're going to do, we're almost pushing a, an open door with that. So so it's almost easier in a way because it's it, and it, and it almost solidifies and helps those people looking to take that leap into consultancy because we we mirror their own values to a certain degree. So um, yeah, we do have processes, we do have kind of standards that we look to uphold, but in a way, I've not had any problems. We've never had any problems with that because we share the values of those consultants that are coming on board anyway. 
Yeah, I'm curious to just explore that a bit further with you because I think um, I, I know Rich will agree with this. A lot of our work when we're looking at um, gleaning client insight for firms, one of the things, or, or very often the feedback we get is, yeah, those promises that were made at the beginning of a matter, you know, how I was going to be looked after, you know, um, my law was always going to be available to pick up the phone or answer my emails and, you know, all, all that stuff that, that many, many legal websites talk about. Mm. In reality, doesn't happen consistently across all of their teams and all of their people. Yeah. Um, and you'll know being a marketeer that the quickest way to damage your brand is not to do what you say you're going to do. So you talked really eloquently there about your insistence as a brand about what you expect in terms of returning calls on time and, you know, having the same, um, uh, you know, being really clear about what the expectation is from the start. How do you measure that? How do you know that that is actually true? Well, one of the things that we we actually do use is a is a um, a, a survey early on in the uh, in the client process, and and obviously uh, you, you good selves uh, assist us in those as well. Um, so what we make sure is that every single person from the the, the reception team that are lined up to answer the telephone. Um, the uh, the call gets directed uh, along quite quite stringent kind of um, guidelines as to what area of law it is, what location it is, um, and then we give people a set time to respond to those people uh, by, um, and we we feverishly make sure that people do do that because at the end of the day. And and I'm, I'm sure uh, you hear it from some of your other clients as well. Um, many law firms uh, clients are, are looking for real speed when it comes to their their matter. Um, some of them might be shopping around to get the best deal. Some of them might be um, have been recommended to particular lawyers. But we want to make sure that we, if people are taking the the time to call us, we want to make sure that we get back to them as soon as possible because. We are, well, we, we understand that regardless of what it is that you're calling for, whether it be a happy occasion or uh, something isn't going as it should do, um, there's emotions that tied to a lot of this stuff. And to us, to some lawyers, it may, it may seem that, well, this is just a small matter. But to that client, it's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest headaches or one of the biggest concerns that they have because they might not be familiar with the legal process. They might not be, uh, they, they just don't know where to turn. They just need that help and support. So we're mindful of, of getting back to them quickly because we want to make sure that we alleviate any of those concerns and those emotional kind of feelings that they have and just make sure that they know that, you know what, we've got you on this. We're on your side. We've done this loads of times before. Let's hold your hand and, and let's take you through it. And that's something that, as I say, we instill early on um, in, in, in the telephone calls that we receive or the emails that we receive. Um, and as a marketing team and as a business support team, we're always there checking, right, have, have, has this person been contacted? Yep, no problem at all. Right, okay, it's being dealt with. So we can, we can easily track those inquiries that are, are moving forward or those calls that are, are, are being returned. Um, and what we also do um, is make sure that early on in the, uh, the the client onboarding process, so we receive the instructions from clients, 
within, well, we, we do it between two to four weeks of the matter opening, we check in again with them as, as, a, as a business function. And we just say, look, how is all this going? And, th and this is separate from the actual uh, individual solicitor. This is to for, from, from our, our business operations team. I'm just saying, look, how, how is it going? How is the matter? Is it being progressed as, as quickly as you wanted it to? Is the communication um, uh, as, as good as you'd hoped? Are there any issues? So early on in that, um, that kind of client process, we can try and make sure that we iron out any creases that may uh, come about. Maybe somebody hasn't got back to them uh, as soon as the client hopes, right, okay, do we need to talk about the expectations? Were, were the expectations clearly laid out in the first instance? And just making sure that any issues that we have are dealt with as soon as possible, rather than finding out at the very end of the matter when you then send the client the invoice, and then they turn around and say, well, actually, I didn't like this. I, I, your, your, your solicitor didn't get back to us. The, the paperwork didn't, wasn't as detailed as it possibly can be. So we, we find that we just never get any of those latter end conversations um, because we, any issues that we've dealt with that, that may have arisen, we've dealt with early on in the process. And you know what? That, that probably, and, and uh, I haven't got the stats on this, but that probably means we retain more of our invoicing uh, as well. We actually get paid what we we're invoicing for rather than having to look to um, to reduce based on some of the disgruntled nature of uh, what people may have, may have had if we hadn't done that. Yeah, I <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I think it's a critical piece, and I know we've had many conversations about it, Lee, around that idea that, you know, it's that ongoing regular contact that silence is golden piece from a legal firm point of view is uh, where yeah, it destroys relationships and you've mentioned several times that emotional connection piece so it sounds like you're really working on that satisfaction level of your clients that you have currently and then i was thinking okay so in a traditional firm does that satisfaction easily turn into loyalty and returning clients mm -hmm. and is that different for your model do they see it more as a one-stop shop? Well, I'll just go and do what I just, sorry, not one-stop shop, well, just a one-off instance. I, I need this doing, thank you very much. That's fine, off I go. How do you see that driving a loyalty for, for Woodstock Legal? Yeah, well, I'm, I've, I've worked, as I mentioned earlier, I've worked in, in legal marketing since 2000. So gosh, 24 years of, of, of legal marketing. And I've, I've worked in some small uh, firms. I've worked in some huge corporate firms, um, and and everywhere in between. But the biggest thing that I've kind of learned over those years is that um, no matter how hard you try, um, from a marketing perspective, and this is speaking from a marketing perspective as well, no matter how hard you try, clients aren't loyal to the law firm. They're loyal to the lawyer, um, and. And for example, we, we've got a number of uh, lawyers that have, have joined us over a number of years where they've worked in some huge law firms. Um, but because of the relationship that that lawyer has gained with that client, I mean, one of our lawyers has been dealing with uh, this particular client for over 20 years. 
knows absolutely everything about their estate, everything about their uh, their property portfolio, everything about their kind of assets and the way that they like doing things, what their values are, what the commercial aims and objectives are. Um, and as I say, over, over the last 20 years, that has just been an ongoing relationship. When that lawyer then came to us, the first thing that happened was that client followed because I've got no hesitation that 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 law firm could have done a good job for them, but the connection that they the client had with that lawyer, the relationship that they knew their their children, their, their children grew up with them as lawyers as well. They knew everything about them that that loyalty was so strong with that individual lawyer that the thought of then having to almost go through that whole process again and explain all of the little intricacies of the the, the uh, their personal affairs again that that tie to that lawyer was just too strong and, and i'm a big believer that the lawyers uh, sorry clients are, are, are loyal to lawyers and not necessarily law firms so if a particular lawyer started to go to a, a different law firm today i would i would guarantee that a large proportion of that client base would choose to follow them Do, is it, a question for all of us really is, is that based on uh, a generational thing do you think is that still that old older view of the world of I stick with somebody? Do we think that the the, the younger uh, generation coming through now are are more easily um, moving between different people or providers or whatever it is? I I've explained that very well. That's rubbish, but you yeah. you know what I mean. Hopefully. I know I know what you mean, uh, Richard. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually still seeing it. I mean, we we work with a lot of young startups. We work with a lot of entrepreneurial individuals uh, in in the creative industries as well. And I think people remember people that help each other out. And and certainly, I've got a, a, a good number of connections and people that have subsequently turned into clients as well on the basis that I've just helped them sign. I've just signposted them to the right people. I've I've helped them. Um, to uh, with, with an introduction to a particular person or or across uh, a, a different level of um, of legal expertise that maybe we hadn't got at the time, and it was like, well, actually, you want to speak to this person, and I think people remember those people that help them out, uh, and I think people have got long memories in in that sense as well, and. I think yeah, people like to have a, a connection with with people and. Um, I'm a huge, huge um, kind of advocate for this kind of equity of, of of trust that you've you've kind of you build trust with people and that that harbors loyalty um, as well. And I, and I think the legal profession, the the finance, the accounting, all of these professional services profession, all of these relationships are built on trust. And it may be that you can directly work with them, but actually you build that trust as well by making those recommendations and referring people on that you might not necessarily be able to help yourself, but you know will help them go for it. And people remember that. People do remember that. So it's, a, it's a really interesting point, Lee, because I've listened really intently to your point about lawyers or law firms, and that will have marketers and BDs up and down the land absolutely fearful that, you know, 
work is going to disappear off the lawyer disappears somewhere else and i think there is a challenge i think for both lawyers partners old old structured uh old structured firms the, the traditional way of structuring a law firm that that does suggest that this kind of broader point you make around building relationships across uh across a trusted advisor network and i've done it myself recently where you know i've gone to my ifa and said oh, i need a new mortgage can you recommend somebody um now I think the challenge for for many, particularly multi many multidisciplinary firms, where there is a a raft of products and services, and how do they get those those internal stakeholders to understand the opportunity to cross refer that work, mm. and have the confidence to cross refer that work within firms, and more importantly, have the have the confidence that if I recommend a conveyancing service in my firm that client of mine that I've looked after for many, many, many years that I've brought with me from another firm to this firm is going to get the same level and consistent level of service experience that I'm giving them. And I think that's a real challenge for firms because, yeah. you know, in reality, I have the relationship, my colleague doesn't. However, yeah. I use the word opportunities deliberately because I think firms that get client relationship management right, and, I, and you know, that just doesn't mean one one particular lawyer, but... There is more of a relationship with the firm and the firm becomes the go-to trusted um, trusted advisory body. Um, I see that as a real challenge in the next five to 10 years for law firms because, you know, let's, let's be candid, you can go and get a legal service anywhere now. You don't have to go to a law firm. Um, and, and firms that get this client relationship management piece right uh, and they map it rigorously through really good journey mapping and understanding what that that particular persona client gets um, is so important because otherwise what you've described will continue to happen yeah. and law firms will lose clients when when a lawyer decides to move on so it's it's a it's it's a real challenge for law firms but i think it's a massive opportunity as well it is 100 percent. i wholly agree with you on that because at the end of the day, you've you've got to have that confidence in in the people around you to be able to um, to to make that referral, uh, whether that be an external referral to a, a an IFA um, or or an internal referral across the teams. And I think that comes with building up those relationships internally, and that, and and ultimately that then comes back to the, a, a cultural piece as well of of how the business, what the business stands for what the uh what the values are of that business um the way that you we do things around here um for for want of a better word and 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 it's it's kind of not not kind of chastising people but just just kind of making sure that people do know that you know what we we do need to get back to these people because we we make a, a promise and and the way that i see about those internal referrals of if you've got, for example, a client that's just inherited a, 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 a lot of money um, and you don't necessarily then make that referral to your private client colleague and, and uh, looks at, at, at updating their will or, or, or protecting themselves with those pair of attorney or making that recommendation to a, a wealth advisor that could then help them to protect that, uh, that amount of money for years to come. I, I see it as you're not, you've got a duty of care to your client. If you're not doing that, if you're not making that referral and making that recommendation, then actually you're not doing your job as, as, as servicing your client to the best of your ability because you know that they should be doing these things. 
Um, and and some people think, oh well, it's, it's sales. And and I think once you add that kind of um, kind of word of sales to it, it then becomes a thing. Of, you know, oh well, I don't do sales, and I don't know about sales, and I don't want them to think that I'm a salesman or anything like that. Um, at the end of the day, if if you're not doing, I don't see it as sales. I see it as a duty of care that you've got to make that recommendation because it's in the best interests of your clients. Um, but that then comes back to building the building up that network as well. And I think some of the best lawyers that I've ever worked with uh, have been very guarded about their professional network as well. They don't necessarily refer it to everybody. They find out who are those kind of almost like a dream team. They surround themselves with a dream team, right? I've got a brilliant IFA. I've got a brilliant kind of bank uh, contact. I've got a fantastic uh, accountant. And, and, and people that that share those values and the, and the way that they do things. And I think it's almost like creating a, a fantasy football team of, of kind of who are the star players that you want to surround yourself uh, in, uh, in, in different positions. Um, and I think good lawyers and certainly the good lawyers that have, have been really successful when I've worked with them as well have been people that have been very guarded about those uh, those relationships, but don't necessarily see it as sales, but see it as a duty of care to their clients. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's showing interest in people, isn't it? And you mentioned that in emotional connection piece and people want to be there. That drives a strong emotional connection. You are interested in me and actually show care for me. Therefore, that connection is going to increase, is going to get stronger. So it's a yeah. simple, simple way of looking at things. But I think to your point earlier on, there are processes, there are ways of charging, there are ways of monitoring time that get in the way and stop that happening. You know, yeah. will that I, I can't tick my box if I'm spending mm. another 10, 20 minutes on the telephone with somebody. So therefore... Yeah like in any organization of any sector you've got to look at that process and how it maps across to what actually the client's getting out of it because your yeah. process may well be coming in and causing so many problems for the client that actually you're driving them further away from you it's yeah. easier internally but it's so much more difficult for the client very very difficult and also making sure that the process doesn't get in the way of the actual client service as well and and that the last thing that you as a as a legal professional want to be doing is 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 kind of going well I can't talk about that yet because I've got four more steps before I get to that point um and and, and it needs to be natural as well and and uh, and the administrative burden, because let's face it, we're all we're all kind of shackled to a certain degree about with, within administration, and you just want it to be as seamless and as as easy for both sides of the party as possible. Um, and and unfortunately, with with technology the way that it's going, um, there's some fantastic things that you can do, uh, and and uh, some wonderful time saving. Uh, pieces of software that you can utilize but then there's also some big time wasters as well so it, it's it's not looking at that next shiny thing um, and we've got to have it but actually is this really going to add ultimately to the bottom line of uh, making this client relationship the best that it can be Lee I'm curious all those Woodstock clients Woodstock law clients in the next five ten years what are they going to see from you guys in terms of innovating in the client sector? 
Uh, well, I mean, it's a good question. Thank you for that and putting me on the spot. Um, for the next five years, we we we're getting inundated with people looking to leave the traditional legal model um, and harboring that kind of flexibility of working for themselves. And, and there's and there's a big leap there. Don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a huge kind of mental leap of overcoming. Of, of being in a in a traditional law firm and having that kind of salary and then going into that kind of self-employed kind of mindset of actually right I've got to be responsible I'm responsible for everything here in terms of um uh of, of, of work client work and actually uh developing work as well but I think over the next five years, one of the things that we are looking at is is utilizing that technology. How can we make sure that our process is as streamlined as possible? Um, some of those streamlined processes could potentially be um, uh, utilizing artificial intelligence. But that's not to say that we will be replacing all of our systems with artificial intelligence. Far from it. It's it's looking at ways that we can make physical improvements so that all of our people can then do the jobs that artificial intelligence can't. And a lot of that is the emotional intelligence, is the picking up the phone. We get to spend more time. We're not we're not typing stuff in. Um, we get to spend more more time with the clients we get we can get to speak to them uh better we can actually be that more of a sounding board um and actually i think utilizing technology over the next five years is going to be crucial for any business but utilizing it so that it adds um more of an opportunity for the client to benefit in terms of um having that that face time or that that kind of contact with those legal professionals that they they want to have those conversations with so yeah so more technology but making sure that technology then doesn't get in the way of that client relationship that's going to be the biggest focus for us and making it as streamlined as possible brilliant thanks thanks Shannon. and sorry to put you on the spot i was, I was just curious to understand <laughs> you know where you uh where, where you see that going it's uh so it's always I think technology is a, is a huge enabler, as you describe it. Um, and, I, and I will say this to a lot of our clients, as long as you wrap that technology in love and make sure your clients understand why you're using it, which is what yeah. you've just uh, what you've just articulated. Mm. This has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I've loved every minute of it. Rich, I'll hand back to you. Yeah, fantastic. Lee, thank you ever so much for taking some time out of your busy, busy uh, day to... Uh, to spend some time with a couple of idiots from the West Country. I mean, uh, myself and Ryan, obviously. Um, we love warbling with uh, businesses from the West Country. It's great to hear that there are some amazing businesses to go and work with and to be clients of down here in the in the uh, the sunniest part of the uh, the UK. So uh, thank you once again for your time. Um, in terms of getting in contact with Woodstock Legal. I take it it's the simple type into the search engine and there you guys are. Is there anything particular that need? Yeah, to, no. Um, I mean, I, I, we're, we're all, I've got a fantastic website and, and obviously all of our uh, lawyers are, uh, are active on LinkedIn as well. So yeah, either LinkedIn or, uh, or, or, the, or the usual website. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Lee. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Thank you from me. Uh, we've been warbling and we'll see you next time on the CX podcast R&R. See you next time. Thanks guys. Thanks Lee.